Jones and play some fucking Age of Sigmar. I mean, I would, it wouldn't even be beyond me to even suck some dick right now to play some Age of Sigmar. How can we never look at your handsome face there, Bryce? Uh, so my webcam There's is the, on. That's the problem. Handsome. Yeah, I'll break the camera. You are listening to Party at the All Points, a journey through the competitive realms of Age of Sigmar. And now your hosts, Dayton O'Brien, Jeffrey Bodine, and Bryce Van Welcome to Party at the All Points. I am your host, Dayton Obrey. Joining with me again are my co-hosts, Jeff. <laughs> and uh, I am Price Vandenberg. Excited to be recording. Uh, glad to be talking about some Age of Sigmar. I can't play, but at least we can talk a little bit about it. So, Truth. Yeah. Man, it's, it's, it's been tough. It's, what are we, 45 days in now? That's probably about I didn't, right. I didn't that count. <laughs> well, I've been counting off of uh, Rob Symes there, the Honest War Gamer. He's been <laughs> streaming every single day, so that's how I keep track yeah. of where we're at. Dude's a machine, man. Oh, guy's insane. We are not that person. But uh, congrats to him. <laughs> All right, Jeff, man, what's been going on? You got some uh, hobby top you want to bring to the table? Uh, you know, I've been working on painting some more. Not a whole lot of progress, honestly. You know, I'm getting there. I've got a painted, and there's a lot more to go. Um, and just kind of thinking about um, my kind of summoning fodder, and also I've been spending some time thinking about uh, my ogre list and stuff like that. I got some ogre junk to get built, so that last episode inspired me. You started yeah. buying some uh, spark collecting boxes, or what? Yeah, I mean, I've got one of those, and I've got uh, I got a bunch of iron guts and some uh, lead belchers. So it's part oh, of that yeah. secondary list that I was talking about, just because uh, I had that uh, Feast of Bones box that I wanted to kind of try to make use of, because I made a deal with a dude for the Osark Bone Reaper stuff and uh, to get rid of it. And so uh, I went on ahead and fleshed out the ability to use the rest of it. So kind of yeah. just building to make use of what I have. And then the other one is so, you know, like I said before, it was cost efficient. So it was just easy to turn that one on me. Had a lot of holidays recently. So I was able to use that to get a bunch of stuff. Very cool. I, uh, I've recently been looking at a lot of Frostgrave stuff, looking for alternate sculpts for free guild models. Um, Our local hobby store can get pretty easy access to, that model range. So I've been looking at that, probably going to put in an order for that. Uh, also been spending uh, an inordinate amount of time playing animal crossing because despite being a grown man, uh, I like planting uh, trees and, and flowers on a video game for children. So. Okay. I'll ignore that. But those frost grade models, man, those kits are great. Cause there's lots of uh, different customization to all those guys too. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing is they're pretty much dead on scale for a lot of Games Workshop humans, you can mix and max. I've done a little research and talked to a couple of people with them, and they're super easy to put GW bits on without a lot of effort. Sweet. Uh, as myself, I uh, just finished that Corvus Cabal. 
finish painting those guys. I posted that on our Facebook page. You guys have seen it. So that's my wife's warband for Warcry. It's one of the few GW products I can get my wife to play. So I'll take it. Yeah. I will fucking paint and do whatever I can to get her to the table because that's my only opponent right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're lucky. Then I'm looking at the uh, Iron Golems to do next. So I got them primed. And I ordered a bunch of uh, Ebitalong 502 oil paints. Now, they're oil paints made specifically for miniature painting. And I'm going to do my best to do these guys with strictly oils. Okay. And the true metals as well. From uh, AK Interactive makes a true metal, which is an oil as well. That'll be pretty wild. Nice. Yeah, those true yeah, metals. Yeah, I'm still really on that con- contrast train. I'm very much happy with that. Oh, dude, that contrast train just keeps going and going. Once you start playing around with it, the things that you can do to it. Yeah. <laughs> My, layering. Uh, I like, I almost want to reprime things white just so that I can just re re resolve the entire process with, with contrast. It's literally that easy. I, I did not, I'm slow to take on changes to tried processes. And that stuff is so good that I'm like, okay, I need to implement this more so that I can get things done more efficiently. Just things like that, uh, the cabal that I did, the only time I used the contrast paint was for their hair. And it just helps you pick out the highlights a little bit better, I find, when the when you get the bunched different multi-levels. Yeah, it's really nice for, even if you don't want to do whole models with it, it's super great for small details like pouches, holsters, belts, because the browns lay in really quickly. So something that might normally take a couple of minutes to do, on several models, you can really just mill out quickly. That's that's one of my biggest takeaways from it, is even if you're not using it on whole models, the ability to do small details quick is really nice. You just got to make sure that you really allow them to dry, though, because once they start interacting, they just oh, mess everything up. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but my whole flesh yeah. imports is pretty much contrast and dry brushing. So, Yeah, I feel like contrast is great for anybody that is for whom painting is not the top priority. You know, like different people like different things in game and um, painting is, is, I mean, like I, I don't dislike any of it, but painting is probably my least favorite thing. Yeah. Um, just because of the time investment uh, and contrast just helps you seal the deal. It is, and given my objectives personally, it is just really, really good uh, tool to get me to the finish line and you know like what i've done on everything is contrast and then dry brush just like some you know secondary color just to you know kind of pick out those highlights and it's so easy and it looks so good for minimal effort you know what i mean and if that's your goal is to just get the models done i don't i don't know if there's a better way (laughs) i've not seen a better way and other than that i've been playing some uh World of Warcraft classic with my wife at late nights. So, oh. just anything to keep going. Make it fun of me for playing Animal Crossing, but here you are playing WoW Classic. <laughs> it's nostalgic. <laughs> All that is. I've been playing a uh, Total War Three Kingdoms. Nice. Yeah. Like Sweet. Yeah. Uh, so we pretty much talked about any new projects. I don't think anyone else got anything else going on. Any new armies? Mm, not right now. I've been considering messing around a little bit with Chaos Dwarves 
um, Legion of Asgore recently. I've been writing a bunch of lists for them because I think it's super fun to take a cursed epitome in that list, cast a bridge, and bridge a bunch of shooters over and blast people. I don't know how good it would be, but I think it would be really entertaining. But that's definitely a rainy day project that, that'll be a while out. Yeah, you can ally in whatever chaos you need to, right? So. Uh, Cursed Epitome is like one of the best things that you can ally into a chaos army if you have 200 spare points. Because it's just good. Like it rerolls all casts, unbinds, two casts, and makes things fight last. So That's the Slanesh? Um, yeah, the mirror. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I knew I recognize that name. Ah, I hate that guy. <laughs> Says the Zanger, the Zeech player. <laughs> the new fucking. I was Stormcast for a long time, my friend. Stormcast, and I faced that stupid bastard too many times. And uh, hate, hate, hate that thing. I learned how to, you know, mitigate him and to, to apply the right amount of force on him. But uh, no, he's a, he's a game changer. Christ uses him like a scalpel. It's quite annoying. All right, we're going to jump in a little bit, uh, a little bit of a new segment, get to, uh, get to know your hosts a little bit better. And uh, this is going to be for Jeff and Price. Now, this is not to be answered by the individual. This is to be answered by their counterpart because you guys have played each other before, so you have a pretty good idea of your opponents. You guys never played me, so you get to, I don't get to partake in any of this. But what we want to discuss is what kind of player are you? Your attitude at the table, your general style of play, and uh, you know, not like your tactics or anything, but just basically what, what you bring to the table and uh, what kind of sits in your style. So let's start this off with Price. Tell me about Jeff. <laughs> uh, Jeff as an opponent, I, as much as I want to make <laughs> yes, fun of Jeff right now, because it's one of my greatest hobbies, uh, no, I, I'm going to take this opportunity. Jeff is very methodical in a, in a good way. He evaluates what's going on at the table, and it's very rare that we play a game where I, I look at it and I go, oh, man, he made a, a glaring error. Um, He's very quick with his application of math in the game as far as kind of doing pretty quick. I, if I apply this here, I'm going to get about this result or this outcome. And I think the other thing that really defines Jeff and what makes him one of my favorite opponents and a guy that I've known for as long as I have is he constantly evolves lists. Like he never takes a list and goes, oh, well, since I lost with this list, that's it. I'm, I'm done. This is a bad army. He's constantly, like, if he loses a game, it's very much so a, an element of thinking about and tinkering and figuring out how to shore up that issue or that weakness, which means that every time Jeff and I play, there's always something new, and it's always a, a very new challenge. So I think probably the best way to say it is Jeff's both methodical, but uh, constantly evolving in his play as well. Yeah, actually, I heard that a little bit from Helm. Talking about you too, Jeff. How you just you don't re rack. <laughs> re racking is not a concept that you know when you're practicing games. You play it right to the end because you want to see how much you can dig out even in a losing situation. Yeah, I've I can't tell you the number of games that I pulled out of the can because I stuck it out and fought it through to the end. So those were very kind words, Bryce. I appreciate that. All right, Jeff, time to rip into price now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, when you said this, I was like, okay, this is actually – this is an interesting question. Um, price is probably one of the most creative 
list writers that I've ever encountered. He comes up with such ingenious combos and they're infuriating because they're so solid. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen him play a, a list that was just, you know, garbage. Like he's clearly an evolved player. He's, he knows how to list right. He knows how to use what he takes, you know, like he has a really high learning curve, you know, like he, he gets in and he automatically, he already knows how to, how to use what he's taken. There's very rare, if ever occasions where once again, he also, he doesn't make mistakes, tiny things, you know, that's it. And it's like, and it's just, a, it's so minor that it doesn't even matter. You know, like they're just, and he's just got a really solid grasp of anything that he takes. He's a very creative player and he also reads a table very well. And he, he knows what, he's one of those guys that he has enough knowledge where he probably knows your stuff better than you do. And he'll play circles around you. If you're not ready, if he wants to come at you like a ton of bricks, you better, you better hold fast because he's good. He's one of the better players I've ever seen. So you basically um, describe a guy with a small dick that gets a lot of women. True. (laughs) (laughs) He knows his tool. He knows what he's doing in the bedroom. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, he's limited, but he knows all the angles. Every list he takes, no matter what (laughs) army it is, he finds some little nugget of just dickery that will just drive you bonkers because it's so good. Or, you know, it's like, it's like one of those, he's one of those guys, those leading edge dudes that will end up finding something that hasn't been FAQ'd yet. That's how it feels sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean he's good, man. He's really good. If there if there was more attention on AOS, he might be more of a. If we had the ability to get to more tournaments, I think AOS has or uh, uh, Price has the ability to make some waves. He's pretty good. What about his attitude at the table? Uh, cool, cool as a cucumber. No emotion. I uh, I will I will say my poker face is a, a point of pride for me. I'm pretty yeah. Pleased. No, it, there's no doubt about that. Anybody that ever plays him, like that's that's one of my you know, I don't know. That's one thing with him is that he never. If he does get bothered by something that happens, you'll never know it. So you're gonna go say that's one of your faults or something? Or yeah, I mean I'd say that's <laughs> probably true. You know, something that I always have to work on is my, I'm, a, I'm an emotional person. <laughs> so like, you know, I'm, I'm a talker and, you know, I mean, I don't, people, I don't, yeah, it's not that bad, but. I, here's the thing, that's anybody who's ever played down. Jeff or, or gets to know Jeff, like he can get emotional at the table. The counterpoint is it's never personal. It's never a thing where he's, he, he's never saying anything that is uh you know a negative thing or anything like that he just is invested in the game which makes him a really great competitor but does you know it can lead some people maybe to see like an edge there the counterpoint is as much as i talk shit about this guy he is one of the best friends and he's a blast to play so (laughs) i think anybody that plays either of us can come away with the right point of view and learn something man you guys really took the high ground on this uh this questioning (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, every once in a while right like 
you know, I, I like getting my, my shots on Bodine as pot shots, right? I don't I don't like lining up a broadside. I like waiting for him to say something in the middle of the podcast and, and go in that yeah. direction. I'm an opportunistic joker, so I need to like find ways to wedge in jokes smoothly without talking over people. <laughs> I'm like a stormtrooper, I just fire until something hits. <laughs> a lot of scorch marks. Is that why you have kids? <laughs> Surprised I don't have more actually. I was really worried about that. But anyways. Alright. Well uh this segment we're going to go into list building again. Same as last. Uh this time around we were supposed to look into Zeech lists. And as before, we'll start with Jeff. What'd you come up with for your Zeech bullshit? Okay. Well, uh my list is once again pretty similar to what's out there in the meta to be fair to myself. Uh, this was the product of some list evolution between me and price playing games. Now it just happens to be very popular. Uh, I did not look this? online to get this list. Sorry what's to interrupt. That? Sorry to interrupt before we get into this, just to kind of cover everyone. Let's, why do you go into either you or price go into what exactly this faction brings to the table? That's going to be con- like the same for all these lists, like your destiny dice and everything else that you get. Um, well, I, I mean, the, actually, this list is in, or rather, this faction is interesting, um, because, I mean, obviously, first of all, it's Zinch. So, Zinch, you automatically associate with high magic, right? And that is true, but I would actually categorize them as a shoot-first army. I mean, they can do magic, and it is pretty good, but... Um, their shooting is actually really, really good. And every version of an army that I've seen that looks like it has teeth to it, for the most part, is a shooting-oriented list. Uh, it does have melee. It, it is actually a flexible army. It's not like Zinch makes you think magic and says, oh, okay, this is a magic army, and that's all they do. No, my friend, that is not true. If anything, I would say in some builds, especially mine, the shooting is better. Than yeah. the magic. Now the magic can do huge burst damage. Like I can look at something big and go boom, 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 and just pummel it. But actually, where I kill you is not the magic; it's the shooting and tons of it. And so, a, if you don't mind, a really quick interjection. No, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. While we're as we're getting started, uh, the core. If you're not familiar with Zinch, your two big mechanics that you're going to see no matter what the list are are Destiny Dice. Destiny Dice is the uh, one of the unique special mechanics for Disciples of Zinch. What you do is you roll nine dice at the start of the game, and you set those aside, and effectively you're able to use those to manipulate certain roles. It's very laid out. It's very clear what you can and can't and how many you have to use, so it's a, a specific resource, but obviously a very potent one because you can control some of your more important dice rolls. And then second, Zinch also has a summoning mechanic as an army where they gain points for every spell cast, uh, opponent and your own, and you can use those to summon in new units, all of which are demons. And those are your two core mechanics that that are what Zinch has that set them apart. Obviously, they have the sub-faction rules and things like that. But as far as the the most important parts of what makes a Zinch army a Zinch army, Destiny Dice and their specific summoning mechanic. And don't forget about yeah, their minus yeah, one to history for demons. Yes, uh, there's a couple of other things that are probably that'll float in there that depend on the faction. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a minus one to hit. There's a couple of other benefits they have. Um, 
but yeah, so that that's the core element there of what any given Zinch army, no matter demon, mortal, etc., is going to bring to the table. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the Destiny dice, ironically enough, probably their least area of direct effect is in the magic phase, or well, the hero phase because of the magic. Most of it is for shooting in combat and other rest of the game mechanics but uh you can't change the damage for a magic spell with the destiny dice like i i had originally envisioned doing that but you actually cannot do that um so it, it always struck me as odd that you cannot but uh you can't so and um the charge rolls summoning <laughs> the the spells have to be successfully cast and not unbound and it's both yours and your enemies which is nice so yeah sorry to derail you jeff Get back no, in the list, bud. Yeah, let's, uh, let's re- resume. Shit, that's okay. why you're by Age of Sigmar now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I will, uh, like, I, like I was saying before, my list is the product of mining prices, a uh, little bit of uh, gameplay and test and evaluation, and uh, it is very similar to popular meta lists right now. Yeah, uh, just so our listeners know, you are our each player. Uh, yeah, this is my current main army. So, like I was saying earlier, I was a Stormcast guy for a long time, but um, I, you know, had some frustrations with that army and have switched wholeheartedly into Zinch and have been really pleased with the potency and the way it plays. Uh, and you're so, a big dick at the table, so go <laughs> take it away. <laughs> In many ways. Um, okay, so <laughs> let's see. The army centers around the change host, like many good zines lists tend to. Um, and it is the um, conflagration, the eternal conflagration occult, that little subsection. And what that one does, let's just talk about that real quick, because it is central to what I was talking about earlier. Um, it is the first of them, the eternal conflagration. And what it does is it increases the rend of your um, your friendly conflagration units, warp flame, billowing warp flame, and magic flames, missile weapons. So that is the, basically any of the horror type units will have one of those missile attacks if they have a missile attack. And it increases the rend by one, which is huge. Every They're point flamers. of rend is a big deal. Yes. Uh, and let's see. They, uh, they, they have a command ability that in, you use it, and it's in, for a demon unit wholly within 12 of a hero and the unmodified hit roll for that attack uh, on a, is a six. You subtract two from the bravery for the target unit. Um, that's okay, I guess. It, it has its usefulness. Uh, some, so many units can have such high bravery that it may not matter, but I personally haven't done that, but I'm sure there will be applications for it. Like Ogres might be a good target for that, or Stormcast. Um, <clears throat> let's see, the next thing, the one that I do like, the command trait, I take this on my Lord of Change. Uh, you subtract one from the hit rolls for missile attacks for all the demons wholly within 12. Um, so that's going to be, like he was saying, early, like uh, Dayton was saying earlier, they have a radial around all their characters of a minus one to be hit in melee. Well, this also stacks a minus one to be hit in shooting. So that's just a really frustrating mechanic for people because shooting 
can be pretty, I would say it's, it, it tend, it's getting to be more impactful in the game. But anytime you can apply a negative to that, it's going to be pretty frustrating for people. And then there's well, on the top of trying to snipe out your characters, right? Because they already get the inherited minus one if they're close to you. They will get that, yeah. Plus so that's that. going to be a, a minus two, which yeah. is nice. It's pretty annoying, like I said. I mean, and then just in general, being able to make everything you have minus one to hit, that's frustrating. And that's one thing that w- with this army, they focus very heavily on their hero support. Like everything they have is based on where you are relative to your heroes. So I would call that hero dependent. So this makes them even harder to kill. And that's a big part of why this one is so popular. It kind of has everything. Um, and then it has a, an artifact, the power that you have to take when you take these guys. And uh, every time you uh, are, t- anytime this character would take a wound in melee on a three plus, the attacker takes a mortal. Um, in general, you don't want your characters in melee. So I don't really like it, but you know, hey, you have to take it. So, and Facts. if that's going to be if that's going to be the thing that's not all that great, then I would happily take the other things that come with eternal conflagration and have to deal with that. Having a relic that really isn't any all all that all that great, I'll take it. So that's kind of what the eternal conflagration does. The bullet points on that of interest to me are extra point of rend and minus one to be hit with shooting when I'm within twelve of the general. And like I said before, my general is my Lord of Change, so he has a huge base, which makes that radius pretty large. So with that, we're going to get back to that Change Host. Um, the Change Host, it has one Lord of Change and then eight horror, or well, demon-type units. Most of them are horrors. There's, you can choose horrors, uh, horror heroes and flamers, the burning chariots and the screamers. Uh, so I have two units of ten tanks. Two units of the Screamers, one unit of the Flamers with six guys, one Exalted Flamer because he buffs the regular Flamers and is also a unit on this list, which helps me populate the eight. And then I have uh, the Blue Scribes and I have the Changeling. And now... What makes the Blue Scribes so key to every fucking Zeech list? Well, the Blue Scribes are really good because they're, they're a scroll spell. Um, you cast it cast on a four, I believe, and if it casts successfully, it can't be unbound, and it adds two to cast, I believe, to anybody within a certain radius. Let me get to his profile, and I'll tell you. Yes, there it is. It's oh, you can re-roll your casting. That's what it is. Yeah, cast on a four can't be unbound. <laughs> Every turn, you just do this, and on a two plus, the spell is cast automatically, and you can't unbind it. Yeah, that's and the real then, clutch part is the yeah. ability to cast on a two plus without the ability to unbind. So whatever spell yeah. you're going to cast with, I mean, it's just a great vessel for it. Yeah, it's huge. And I mean, everyone like, to wants me, blue scribe. <laughs> well, uh, and to me, I mean, there's probably a lot of different ways to use that. But the way I'm doing it is I'm using that ability to do the boon of Zinch, which lets me reroll all my casting with an 18, fully with an 18, and that's a huge radius. So. You know, that covers a lot of spells, and, you know, yeah, maybe I could cast an offense spell that's really hard to cast um, automatically on a 2+, plus and it can't be stopped, but for me, I would rather be able to almost guarantee casting every other spell in my repertoire and forego the offense from this guy, possibly. 
So I really like that. I think it's huge. And when I moved to conflagration, this guy became an auto include. Uh, the changeling, I use him to support a unit of horrors that I teleport early. And he will, you know, reappear out there in the field near the enemy, but really around my horror unit that I replaced using the change host's ability. Uh, and he will support them. And that's his primary role is to keep them hard to kill. Uh, and also really great for any kind of mission where you have to control an objective with a hero because he can just bing, appear by it. Nice and easy. And so we'll talk about the change host ability real quick. I have before, and Price uh, rightly pointed out something that we called out in the previous episodes where you can do this every turn, and I was only doing it at the start of the game. Uh, but yeah, you can, uh, if your Lord of Change is on the battlefield and is your general, uh, you can pick, it's, it's, the book says two, but now it's only one. You can pick one unit from your battalion and remove them and put them anywhere else on the field that's more than nine inches away from an enemy. Uh, you cannot move, but you can put yourself inside a missile range, so who cares? Um, you don't really want to go into melee with these guys. Obviously, their shooting is the main thing, but that's an opportunistic thing that has to do with the battle and who you're playing. But in general, you want to use these guys to take, take ground. And that's kind of plays into how I play this list. I'm more about grabbing the objectives and then kind of forcing you to try to take them from me. Like, I don't necessarily want, I always want to kill you, but it's not my only way to solve a problem. Like, my first stroke is to take the field and grab objectives. And, you know, if it involves being able to kill your stuff, then great, because it lessens your chance of taking them away. But my list definitely functions around the concept of trying to challenge you to take all these guys out. That's also um, just because Jeff is a homicidal maniac that he wants to kill you. That's very little to do with <laughs> gameplay, but... I'm on the edge, man. Empathy is not yes. his strong point. <laughs> <laughs> Anger management of classes help. <laughs> um, so, my Lord of Change, um, I use him with the Rod of Sorcery because I don't really want to risk him in combat, so I'm going to kind of hang back. I want to get some more shooting in there. Uh, he does lose pretty much all of his melee potency completely if you take the route of sorcery so it kind of came as a shock to me that such a big guy can literally do freaking nothing in combat he sucks in combat with the route of sorcery his other weapons give him some rend and some bigger damage and stuff but the stick by itself is nothing he's if he's got the route of sorcery he's terrible in combat but i don't ever really want any of my heroes in combat <coughs> excuse me sorry um so, and the Lord, the Lord of Change is no exception. Uh, I want him to kind of just drive my army and make everybody hard to hit and cast his spells. I give him the big Zinch bomb spell. Uh, it's the... I'm coming to it. Hold on one second. Yeah, he's the one that's more reliably going to get off your spells, right? Because he yeah, changes the uh, you, dice. I, wanna ca casting. I want him casting the spells that are harder to cast in general. Um, it's the, yeah, Zinch's Firestorm. So that one casts on a nine, and you pick an enemy unit with an 18, invisible, and you roll nine dice, and for every six, it does D3 mortals. Um, it's pretty gross. I mean, like, on average, that's only, like, one and a half sixes, but 
you spike one time and you're going to bury somebody. Uh, so it's pretty good. He can do a lot of, and his war scroll spell is extremely good. That's the one where you roll based on the number of wounds you've taken and for every three plus to start at least for every three plus it does mortal. So you will cream somebody. He's got, he's a really good, he's a really good unit to add in. Um, one of the, well, I'll actually talk about that later, but uh, for me, he's more of a support guy and he does some magic, but he's primarily there to just kind of keep the army annoying as hard to hit as possible. Um, oh yeah. I also, I have a gaunt summoner on disc. I have a two drop army. The change host composes all but one of my units. And then I have a gaunt summoner on disc. Can I, um, uh, can I just jump in here and just go on a limb and say every single one of our lists has a gaunt summoner. Actually, I do not. Um, oh, be the odd oh, man nice. He just doesn't like 200 free points. Yes. I, I'm a combo breaker, man. That's what I do. He doesn't like those. He doesn't like a 40 points caster with two spells. Um, I got a I got a different plan a plan of action, but I back back to Bodine's uh, really obnoxious chain shift. <laughs> yeah, so that what's great about that guy is that for me, he comes with a free two hundred point unit of ten pink horrors. Who or whatever you he could summon other things, but it's the pink horrors. He you can, get. but you could also swallow a handful of tax. So, <laughs> <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> 10 pink horrors are an amazing value um, and he, I have him summon them and he, they can just appear right there and then move and you can basically cheat the deployment zone. You put him near the edge so, and then on turn one because you have a two drop list you're probably going first. You summon them and they deploy, they appear outside your deployment zone and then you just move. On your movement phase you can walk almost all the way up the board so it's it's quite strong, quite strong, and they'll be able to cast spell, cast their spells, and shoot as normal. Um, so he's very good. Like I like to get his unit on the board as soon as possible. I haven't found a matchup where I was like, hmm, maybe I should hold this in reserve. I'm sure it's out there. To go on record, as Jeff Bodine wants to get uh, his unit on the board as soon as possible. He is our big dick. <laughs> <laughs> Leave a giant crater. <laughs> Knock off some beer cans off the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you caught it. You, you got me. Just bring out enough, but, right? Um, Just enough to hit the can off. Don't, don't show them the full thing. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So this army wants to take a lot of ground. I'm going to start out with 30 pink cores and try and grab up as much turf as I can. That's disgusting. Grab the objectives. It's, it's, it is foul. I mean... And I've got enough heroes to support everybody. The flamers, I can teleport them if I need to, but ostensibly I want to leave them near the exalted flamer because he gives them plus one to hit. Um, and they can fly up, and now that they have the extra minus one, they, they do a ton of damage. They're very fast. Um, the pink horrors are not especially fast. They have a move of five, which is with an 18-inch range on shooting. It's just one inch short of being able to hit anybody from your deployment zone in most missions. So they're just like tauntingly short of movement. But the flamers, on the other hand, if somebody uh, puts a, something on the edge, you can easily get to it and torch it. They have a nine inch move and they can fly. So they're quite handy. 
Uh, they're really powerful on offense. Um, the screamers I use to block up area and like fill the gaps in between my horror units. And also I can fly over stuff and you can do a, a slashing attack. Um, and I actually used it a couple of times because they pick on wizards pretty well. And um, they also do extra damage against monsters, but this list doesn't really use that mechanic optimally because uh, it, they don't have any run or anything like that. So but anytime you're doing mortal wounds in another phase other than the combat phase, it's yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, they're, just, they're extremely high movement. They have a lot of wounds considering how cheap they are. Uh, and I just use them to plug gaps and then they can team up and pick on small stuff. And I just lately, and for the most part, I've been just using them to screen people out early and then I'll kind of move them into position or get, get them, get people to have to commit a bunch of attacks to them. Cause I don't really care if they die. You know, because like if you're into both them and the horrors, I'm going to make sure that you have to pile on towards them and waste all your attacks on garbage guys who I don't care anything about. So I just use them as expendable guys and gap fillers, but um, they're cheap and they're quick and they're helpful. Uh, and then the, like I said, the changeling, his whole thing is to support the unit of pinks that I teleport across the board usually. Um, and he has some really gnarly abilities. Like if, if you get him close enough to the enemy, he can inflict a minus one on an enemy unit in their hero phase. So that means that you have to put yourself already in range at the, by the end of your, your turn. So, um, you, you have to, that requires you to be a little bit risky with him. In my opinion, you have to be within nine. Uh, so like if you, you can do edge mechanics where you're like just inside of nine, but then the pink horror unit that he's supporting is right there with him. So nobody can really hit him too hard, but uh, it's kind of risky. So I prefer lately to just kind of wait and use that on like maybe the next round uh, for when whoever is inevitably going to try to come in and take those guys out. I'll do it for the next round and then, kind of stack up the negative that way. And so what's really good about that is that's going to be minus two on that unit. So there'll be minus one to hit the horrors because they're within range of a hero. And then that other ability from him makes a minus two. So they're just flailing and can't do anything. It's, See, you're laughing? We're not laughing. You're laughing. I'm super laughing. laughing. I mean, this, this list just makes people want to pull their hair out because you can't hit them. And they're so weak. And you're like, oh, I'm going to crush these guys like an empty beer game. <laughs> no, you're not because you can't hit anybody. <laughs> uh, and I just kind of outgrind you. And I have tons of shooting. And what's hilarious is when you start killing the pinks, uh, if you don't take out all 10, I'm going to make you pay. Because I'll guarantee a one on my morale test and restore D6 of them. <laughs> so then you have literally every time you kill a guy, that I bring back, that's five more dudes. Well, that's when you use your destiny dice too, is on the... Yeah, that's it's a, right. It's a that's great right. place to use your ones. Yes. So you see those ones come up, you're like, oh man, don't be, oh man. Hope for two or three of those things. Because if somebody leaves a pink horror alive, like they miscalculate or just flub a roll, <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, if they flub a roll, you've got that one waiting there and you're going to make them pay. And every dude you bring back is five wounds. And 
you're going to end up summoning more than you started with. And what's funny is once the pinks start to die, you actually end up with more shots because you trade three for four. Three shots from the pink for two blues, each with two. So I end up with more shots when the unit's about half, half gone out of pinks. So, <laughs> so they actually get worse for a period there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a grindy army. It doesn't have any kind of defense, per se, other than messing with your hitting values. But um, they just kind of drag you down, and I just shoot the crap out of you. And if something big and threatening comes along, I have the burst damage from my spells, and I just melt you that way. So I'll be able to target one big thing and just drop them. What I like to do currently on my Lord of Change is take the Ragged Cloak, uh, which is a Shyish item. It's Realm of Death. Shyish. And what that does is um, for one round, I can make him not targetable with missile weapons. So like some guy with a bunch of, you know, long strike crossbows or lightning cannons or whatever. It's like, huh, I'm going to kill your dude. And I'd be like, all right, far away, buddy. Oh, you can't. Ragged Cloak. Can't target him. So that will keep him around for one turn, for sure, which is really, really annoying. Yeah, I think the, I mean, that's a key theme, right, with a lot of this list is leveraging really specific abilities at key times so that you can really grind your opponent off the yeah. table. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mostly intact for two out of five turns, for sure. And it's just... Like, are you going to be able to do enough, fast enough, to clear me off those objectives? Because, you know, I'm going to accumulate summoning points. I'm going to summon in more heroes who will cast more spells and make it easier for me to support my guys. So it's, only, it's going to start to steamroll. Like, one of the first things I like to do is summon in a change caster, which is uh, basically a herald of Zinch on foot. He's just cheap. His, um, his scroll spell is um, it casts on a nine, which is kind of hard, but you can pick an enemy unit with an 18 and they take D six mortals. So boom, there you go, baby. And he benefits from the magic flames. Well, actually he wouldn't because he's not part of the battalion, but uh, he does have a shooting attack and it already has a rend, which is nice. Yeah. Yep. And it's just another summoning anchor so that if people do go after characters, it's one more thing they have to try and get rid of if they yeah. want to get rid of the whole thing. So, yeah, very good first summon. Yeah, and he's cheap. So he's just easy to get in there. And he's he's so far pretty much every time since I started in the conflagration, I bring in a change caster first thing. I actually have two for summoning that I've got built and started painting uh, just because, like, I, I, I kind of like them uh, and just summon them in because the other choices are really – it takes a really long time to get to. Uh, and I would like to be summoning – every turn if I could. Yeah. I mean, our listeners will never be able to see this, but I'm looking at the video cam of Jeff during this whole conversation and he's viewed it. So all we see is his head and I don't see his arms. And his camera has been bouncing up and down. So I think during this whole time of talking about his <laughs> list, been yarding one off because that's how excited this man is. <laughs> I, now I'm, I'm a hand talker and I've been like, Whacking my hand on the table. So well, oh, he's well. whacking. He's whacking something. <laughs> you bunch of perverts. 
Oh my god! Having played against the list uh, and, talk, and and worked with Jeff getting it there, it's nasty. It's it's just a solid list. It does most everything you want it to do well. It, yeah, the offensive punch is kind of more of a grind. It doesn't necessarily have yeah. like one big wind up haymaker, but it doesn't have to. It's just got the ability to to really push you off the table and and out grind you. You if you want to beat it. You've really got to find a way to punch, and you have to find the right times to do it, and it's very challenging. Yeah, this is a really good list. It's it's a list that I feel I can do a lot with. Um, it has everything I need in order to be competitive. Yeah, I wish the melee was better, but um, I just you know I just grind you down, just like Price said. Like I just shoot you endlessly. And my characters are really well insulated, so you have to have really good shooting, which is not ultra common, uh, in order to get to them. And, you know, or I have to make some kind of mistake. But I'm going to pile up bodies between you and my, my heroes. So, you know, good luck. Um, it is a strong list. The Destiny dice, the high values I tend to use on the shooting damage. Uh, and there's something they do D3 damage, so I can just start pounding you with those flames from the flamers, and they are really, really destructive. Yeah, they do their normal values are three shots a guy, four to hit, three to wound, no rend, D3 damage. Now I go to rend one, I get plus one to hit if I target a unit with 10 or more guys, and plus two if I target 20 or more. So they're really great at torching mobs. And the Exalted Flamer gives a plus one. So at all the time, I'm at least a three plus to hit. And oftentimes going to be a two. And so I'm going to be hitting on twos. And I can use my command point to re-roll a one there. Like that's one thing that I tend to do is I use one of my command points to re-roll ones on that unit early. And so I can deliver a big heavy hit of damage on an important target turn one. And then after that, I tend to save my command points for automatically passing morale because this army takes a ton of damage, but it just keeps living. And part of the reason why I do that is because I'm automatically passing my morale. So all the command points that I have pretty much after turn one go to making a, a unit automatically pass. Jeff, you're masturbating again. Sorry, man. <laughs> I can't help myself. Yep. No, it's it's a it's a very gnarly list. Um, I I think you know if you were if you're looking to get into Zinch really competitively, like that's that's probably where you want to start. I think it's on tonight's show. It's going to be the most competitive list that we come up with. Um, it's just on a consistency basis, uh, and it is it's the counterpoint though is there is skill involved. Like, don't think it's a thing where like you can just put it on the table and you'll get instant results. Like, you definitely have to to think about what you're doing and and plan it out. So. Um, I really like yeah. it a lot. So they have no armor. I mean, like they have like a six plus armor. <laughs> they fold up like origami. <laughs> they get obliterated by anything that touches them. But who cares what your armor is? You can't hit them. I, uh, <laughs> That's the uh, thing. I mean, like, but it's all about being careful with where you put your heroes. Um, and you know, you can't let them get killed. Um, what that there was a game that Price and I played where he was able to roll in on the side and. Uh, he was able to kill most of my heroes, and it was looking grim there. But and that's where the army—that's when the army starts to collapse—is when they don't have their heroes anymore. This army, well, I think all the Zinch armies are going to be inherently very hero-centric, and if you can get to the heroes, 
it starts to get bad, and none of them are especially stout. Yeah. No one is. <laughs> I mean, the Lord of Change has the most wounds and the best natural save, but um, he still gets obliterated. They don't really have a lot of uh, damage mitigation. So Talking about fragile and, and lack of damage mitigation, I'm excited to hear uh, Dayton's list because during the lead-up to this, there was a lot of, a lot of Facebook chatter about, holy shit, nothing in this book can stand up to a punch. So I'm, I'm curious where that led, where that's led Dayton uh, down his <laughs> list. Yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll get into my list here for a second, but uh, let's listen to one of our <laughs> advertisers first. Hey, all you cool Captain Kittens. This is Carol Baskins. Thanks for listening to Party at the All Points. And if you're feeling like you want to support some animals out there like you know we do at the Big Cat Rescue, head on over to Hammerhead Games at www.hammerheadgames.net. Well, I'm just, it's crazy that price can only get it up for Asian women. But uh, yeah. we are back. <laughs> All right. That was an advertisement from Tony at Hammerhead Games. Uh, Thanks, Tony. Uh, I reached out to Tony to do some command markers that you guys have all received now. So he did those for us, as well as our faceplates. You guys didn't get a faceplate yet, but that option's still there. Sweet. But I yeah. have to wear a faceplate in public already for the safety of other people. So Yeah. It's like because you're you can't yep. make direct eye contact. <laughs> You'll turn to stone. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh all right, let's go on a little bit on my list. One of the biggest things we're going to realize if we ever do chaos is I don't like the demons ever. Even <laughs> if they are more powerful, I always want to come up with a mortal list. Unfortunately, that really only works for corn that I found. So looking at this, uh, one of the biggest things about Zeech is their spell casting is predominant in both. It doesn't matter if you're demons or mortals. They're, uh, the mortals kick up pretty good too. So I came up with a, I went with the Profane Cult, Coven. So that gives you plus one to hit with your Sorcerer's Bolts. Now the only ones that can cast those Sorcerer's Bolts are your Acolytes. So I'm going to have a lot of those in this list. And then if they do any wounds to a unit at the end of the shooting phase on a five up, they get D3 wounds. It's more of a bonus than anything. You're not going to be dependent upon it, but if you get it, you get it. And their command ability for all their guys is pick an acolyte unit within 12 inches, holy, and then re-roll all wound rolls in the shooting phase. Because ac- uh, That's pretty good. Yeah, so they hit on fours, they wound on threes, they have no red and they do one damage. Unless they get their spell off, then they got minus one to their red. So their shooting actually starts to add up quite a bit. And I th- I believe it's 18 inches on their Sorcerer's Bolts, too. It is, yeah. yeah. Which is crazy. One shot. Yeah, one shot per, but you're coming in yeah. with units of like 20 to 30 because they're battle line. Uh, and then their command trait is just subtract one to hit with missile weapons. I gave that to... I'll explain that later. But so I came up with five leaders for this army. Uh, I got a lot of casting. But to start off with, I got the Gaunt Summoner because you gotta for 240 points and he can summon free 200 points and he casts yeah. two spells. Even if I'm playing mortals, he's mortal enough looking. You gotta bring him in. He has the mortal keyword. He's part of that. 
Yeah, he's, he's both a, demon and mortal, which is weird. But, yeah. Slaves of darkness and everything else too. Yeah, sketchy weirdo. <laughs> but no, he's 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 great. I had to bring him in. You, you can't miss out on him because his spell alone is really good against Hordeless when you're playing against Skaven or Flesh Shooter Cord or anything else that brings a lot of units in because every he just casts it Infernal Flames within 12 inches casts off on a 7 and uh, you roll a dice for every single model in that unit and on a 5 up it does a mortal wound yep. so you're basically yeah. a 30 you're 30 in that unit and then I gave him the Bolt of Zeech it's a 7 to cast uh, any unit enemy within 18 inches and it just does straight up d6 mortal wounds which is disgusting or it's one mortal wound and it's whatever <laughs> but main uh, one of the best mortal units by far that you cannot ever exclude if you're ever trying to make a list is the cursling that yeah. cursling is so good it's disgusting so he's going to be your general because I want to give him the uh the minus one to hit with missile weapons. So then he'll be minus two because he's always going to be close to units. So you can't just get rid of him. He is also a two-cast wizard, and he can do two on binds. Now, he's got a really lot of cool uh, abilities to him. One of them is every time he unbinds a spell, he can then cast it if he's able to do so. So basically, from what I understand, the ability to do so is it just... If you could, you wouldn't be able to cast it if it specifically says, like a yeah, if it's keyword locked. Yeah, yeah, that's only like a stormcast spell specifically, for example, or something like that. Yeah, but most of the attack spells and everything else, so you're gonna be picky about what he can do and try to go for, because then he could just turn around and rip them with it, because he immediately gets to cast them. So he could be a forecast wizard, and then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he's awesome. And then he, I gave him the. Uh, he also has his, his innate spell. It's just on a three up. You pick an enemy wizard within 18, 18 inches, and you just get to have his spell if you're able to cast it for the rest of the game, which is really yep. cool. And I gave him the Shield of Fate. Uh, the Shield of Fate is based on your Destiny dice. It's only a six to cast. And if you pick a unit, and on a, if you have one to three Fate dice left, left you reroll ones on your saves if you have four to six left you reroll all saves and on a seven to nine destiny dice on a four up you ignore spells if you want to and you get to reroll all saves so if you want like a unit to stand firm that shield of fate's pretty disgusting rerolling saves is kind of unheard of in this game actually That's well cool it's, it's bigger in slaves of darkness now um they have a lot of that but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that means that that spell is best early. Because as the game progresses, you're going to be, want to be using those Destiny dice. Yeah, unless you got a wizard that's going to then bring your Destiny dice into. You, yes, that is true. You <laughs> can do that. <laughs> so then you're going to have a... Uh, next, I went with a Fate Master. And the only reason why he brought him in, because he doesn't cast any spells. He's kind of like a melee guy on a disc. He's a really cool model, actually, for how old he is. But uh, his command ability is to reroll hits for a unit within nine inches. And that's not tied to any phase. So that's rerolling hits in the shooting phase. That's rerolling hits in the attack phase. So that gets pretty cool. And next, I got a Zangor Shaman on disc. He's always on disc. But he has one. He can cast one spell, and he can cast two once per uh, battle. 
But if you don't know about him, he just gives you plus one to hit on your uh, Skyfires and your uh, Enlightened Zangers. And then I gave him the uh, Destiny Dice um, spell. So on a seven up, you just get to add a Destiny Dice to your pool. And his innate spell is goes off on a seven. You pick a unit, enemy unit, and it does D3 mortal wounds. Every model killed adds a Zanger within 12 inches. So this list does have a unit of 10 Zangers for that reason, because they're battle line. And then if you're adding units to it, you kind of want to hold them back a little bit. But they're two wound models. like They're pretty good on their own right. And also his 60-inch movement is really key for this. And then backing him up, I got a Magister on a disc as well with his 16-inch movement. Uh, I gave him the Arcane of Suggestion spell. That's pretty sweet. So you pick an enemy unit and basically you either do D3 mortal wounds, mortal wounds to him or, what's better, you can give it minus one to hit or you can subtract one to its saves. Because the biggest thing with your mortals is you're losing that minus one to hit, so you kind of want to get that wherever you can. Because the mortals are the same as the demons. They have no save. So the more you're avoiding the hits, the better for that. And my battle lines, I went with the two units of 20 acrolytes. So one unit of 10 zangers. And then all I got is two units of three skyfires. So the idea behind that is I'm going to clump that in the center with the acrolytes with all my, uh, my leaders for the most part, except for the Fate Master, or sorry, the uh, Zanger Shaman and the Magister on disc. And they're going to go along with the Zangers, or uh, the Skyfires on discs. So those are your grabbing objectives because they got 60-inch movements each, which is crazy. And they're going to be moving around the board. They're going to grab your objectives. The Skyfires are going to try to snipe out characters, followed up with the Shaman because then they're hitting on threes, Mooney on threes, minus one, one damage. And then they get to, no, that's, yeah, their ability's weird. So what is it, six, on a six to hit, on modified six to hit, they do mortal wounds instead. Correct. Yeah. Uh, something, too, um, that's probably worth saying uh, to anybody listening and thinking about Skyfires, they're not bad in combat either. Like, you don't want to put them against a dedicated unit, but their their discs are actually pretty good at fighting. So it's definitely a unit that you can go dig into other, like if you're playing, I use cities as an example, handgunners or something like that. They have the ability to go really, you know, put a hurt on small kind of filler units or, or chaff drops as well, which gets you a double value out of that shooting unit. Even large units, right? If you can, because their movement allows them to hit to the side. If you can just tap a side of a long, strong unit, like they're four wounds a model and they actually got a decent amount of attacks and they also got the reroll to hits if the unit uh, hasn't activated next to them too. So yeah, th- like they're decent. They're kind of expensive, but the mobility and their their threat range is insane. You don't find that a whole lot with any other uh, faction, honestly. And the just to go back, the Magister on disc, I gave him the artifact that you have to get. And all it is is anytime they do a range attack, if you get a modified six, it just does D3 mortal wounds. And he only That's has awesome. the one. Yeah, he only has the one range attack. It's not something you're dependent upon, but every once in a while you're gonna get it. And yeah, I mean, you may get one a turn. So then I went with the rest of my points. I spent them all on endless spells because <laughs> my favorite thing to do with any faction is just to bog up the board with endless spells. And so I picked the Bailwind Vortex because the extra range and the extra spell casting. 
is pretty key. And for the most part, I think that's going to be going on your gaunt summoner because he has the most attacking spells and those are the ones you really want to get out, especially with the extra. I grabbed the uh, Soul Share snackle, uh, Shackles. Even though their price went up, they're still awesome. That, so that can shut sense. down an avenue so well. For those that don't know, you basically set up three models uh, within, uh, what is it, uh, three inches of each other? I think yep. six inches of each other. And if a unit starts movement phase, you roll dice, uh, three up, you have to move characteristic of the enemy unit or of that unit. And if you roll six, it does D3 mortal wounds. So the sixes are a bonus, but really what you're doing is you're halving their movement characteristic. And you can kind of spread that out and affect a lot of units. <laughs> My experience with him is I, I brought him against Fire Slayers one time, and it basically just it just stops them from moving. Because <laughs> two-inch movement is really funny to watch a yarn <laughs> go across the board. Yeah, it's a lot of board control opportunity. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're limited units in this. I don't have a whole lot, and that's why I brought the Gaunt Summoner to summon the other 10 pinks to kind of back it up a little bit. But you're trying to shut down avenues with all the endless spells, and I brought in the Geminids of Ugalish for the minus one to hit to stack with the, hopefully, the... Uh, the uh, arcane Suggestion. Yeah, the Arcane Suggestion. So you're giving a unit minus two to hit. Or else eliminating their attacks by one. Uh, they're they're great. Geminids is really hard to pass up when you're looking at endless spells. Yeah, uh, they're good. Then I brought in the gnashing jaws as well. It's <laughs> I know, right? It's only D three mortal wounds. It's a little bit minus to your bravery. No big deal. But that model itself is so large. It, it shuts it, things down. It's huge. Like I I've. I didn't realize it until I got my kit and like built it. I was like, holy shit, this model is gigantic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With a battlefield that's got terrain on it, it can, it can literally stop a unit from being able to move where it wants to. And that's, that's the whole point. You're dictating what units are allowed to go into you so that you can shoot them down with the uh, acolytes. And then the last endless spell that I went with is the Burning Sigil of Zeech. Uh, of all the Z spells, I didn't really like any of them, any of those spells, except for this one. So you kind of want to cast it in your army. And basically at the end of your movement phase, if it's on the battlefield, you roll a D6. So it's got a bunch of things that can either affect enemy units or give you positives. So that's why you kind of want to cast it close to like the middle line of where you're engaging and just let it do its buffs. Um, I was going to do D3 Mortal Wounds and bring a Chaos Spawn to the table or you're going to have movement on another unit which is really funny or you're going to pick a unit and that unit can move D6 even if it ran in the same turn so you can just move up even more so uh, Spawning Limbs add one of the attack characteristics of the unit melee weapon or subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target that unit until the start of your next hero phase so it's 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 a buffing negative spell. It's 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 kind of chaotic the way Zeech is. It's it's very random. I actually forgot to mention I have this in my list as well, and I I like to throw it out in between me and the bad guy because number one they have to try and go around it just like you were talking about where you use spells to just kind of mess with people's movement because it's kind of large too. Um, and make them go around it. And also, um, if I can get that one that messes with your movement, 
that's huge because it's a random effect every turn and you, and it goes off in the movement phase. Um, and I really like the one that messes with their movement. I never get it, of course, but, uh, the potential's there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a neat spell. Honestly, every single one of those options are good. You just got to make sure it's placed well. Yeah. That's the only negative on that. You've got to get it in a good spot, but if you get it well positioned, you'll get some usefulness out of it across the course of a game. Yeah. Uh, I did look at the Witchfire Coven for Battalion. And what that does is you spend a command point in your hero phase and it allows the Acolyte unit to shoot as if it was the shooting phase. But this this army, I, I got to say, it's for all these, it's really hard on command points. Yeah. Uh, so you really got to choose your heroes what you want to get off because what I'm bringing to the table is re-rolling hits and re-rolling wounds. And that's basically what you're going to be spending your command points on for your That's accolades. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, threes, because you get plus one to hit with the coven. So you've got threes, threes, minus one ren, one damage, and 20 shots. Yep. And they're not... You're gonna put three glaives per unit, three cursed glaives per unit, so they have a uh, they have a little bit of a melee presence enough that if somebody puts something cheap into them, they can pretty effectively fight back. Well, yeah. you're gonna be re-rolling saves with the shield of fate, hopefully, and you're gonna be re-rolling their hits. So even with that five up, you still should be shrugging off quite a bit, and hopefully, you're getting some negative hit modifiers on the units that you allow to hit you. So it's a lot of board control, a lot of trying to figure out the avenues, and a lot of frustration for your opponent. That's a big Zinch theme. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would I want to start this <laughs> army? No. It's cool, but I do not want to paint 40 Acolytes because those <laughs> models are a pain in the ass to paint. How about 150 Horrors? That's uh, fine. Would you like to paint Dude, that? contrast and done. <laughs> what the... Acolytes? That is true. So much detail I, I to those models. Yeah, acolytes are a high detail model, and it's a lot of flesh to paint. Yeah, they're sexy as fuck, but I do not want to paint forty of them. Yeah, well, I got to paint minimum one hundred and fifty, and then another unit for summoning if things go really well. And I get all the way up to like twenty something summoning points, I can get a new horror of pigs. But I'm a person that likes to be prepared, so I have all this stuff for it, but. Uh, yeah, it's a ton of work. <laughs> yeah, boy, list. What do you think? I dig it. I mean, I think that, you know, there's a couple ways to make Kyrex work. I think you've leaned into it. Uh, I love the Endless Spell splash there. Uh, I'm I'm glad that you've decided to just take all the wild Endless Spells uh, and, and chalk up the board as best you can. So, Unless yeah. you play in Seraphon, and then you're just like, fuck, cool. Sweet yeah. game, bro. <laughs> Thanks for the spell, noob. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right, Price. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we'll dive into mine. A uh, little bit of a different list. Uh, I'm going to go with more of a Beastman theme. I'm going to take an ally, which is something that I very often do, whether or not it's a smart thing to do or not. Uh, so we'll get right into it. I'm running the Guild of Summoners, actually. So this is the one that you can't summon anything else but... Uh, Changecasters. Change or ca uh, yeah, Lord of Fate. Yeah, Lord of Change, whatever. Yeah. The <laughs> oh, yes. Um, that, but, I was going to talk about that in mine, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> and the premise being that the first one you summon is nine points and then 18 and then 27. So it's a much easier to summon your first uh, big monster onto the table. Uh, so just I'm going to run down the list and we'll go from there. So we've got a Chaos Lord, the Chaos Sorcerer Lord on foot. He's my general. 
Um, and then I have a Great Bray Shaman of Zinch. I have a Zangor Shaman on disc, and then I am taking Bellacore. I have a unit of 30 Zangors, a unit of 10 Zangors, uh, two units of 10 Ungors of Zinch, and then a unit of six Zangor Enlightened on disc. Uh, and I am running the Phantasmagoria of Fate from the Beasts of Chaos book. If you're listening and you're not familiar with the interaction with the way Beasts of Chaos slot into other Chaos powers, they can take a battalion that gives them the mark, and then they become full-fledged members of the army that they're a part of. So this basically is going to give all my Beastman components a mark of Zinch, which allows them to be a full uh, addition to a Disciples of Zinch army. Um, Just don't try to do it on Azir, because it really doesn't like it. Uh, yeah, it's, Azir's real wonky. You can get it to work in Warhammer Community's uh, War Scroll Builder, uh, but it's definitely a, an odd one to get to put together if you don't, if you if you haven't messed with it before, because the interactions are really weird. Uh, so we'll start with the Guild of Summoners and what that brings to the table. Like I said, the primary ability is it's going to make summoning a um, Lord of Change much easier. But it also yeah. has a really good command ability. You can use this command ability in your hero phase. You pick one of your wizards, uh, wholly within nine inches of a wizard, um, or uh, your 18 inches of the general, and you have to add one to casting rolls for that wizard. So basically, you can spend a command point per wizard to get plus one to cast, which is a super useful ability, helps you get some of your spells off. Uh, they have Prophet of the Ostensible, which is your command trait. Your general's on uh, on the battlefield. At the start of your hero phase, roll a dice. On a four plus, you get an extra command point. So we've got the ability to get some extra command points. And then uh, the artifact of power is the Brimstone Familiar. It makes your, you don't take battle shocks for friendly units within 12, wholly within 12 inches of the bearer. Which is awesome. It's great, right? Because Zangor's, uh, a big unit of 30 Zangor suffers, can suffer from battle shock pretty badly. Yep. But, and you've got a 60 wound unit. You want yeah. to make sure every unit yeah. or model sticks yeah. around. Yeah, I, oh, I, I definitely wish I had that. To, to run away. So it's a very important part of what I want to do there. Um, yeah. So talking about the other heroes, the key with the Chaos Sorcerer Lord is he has an ability that grants rerolls to saves to a unit just for existing, because that's what he does. Um, he's. Uh, Demonic Power, it's one of the best just abilities on a War Scroll that exists. I don't particularly know why that it still gets to be uh, as good as it is. Uh, unfortunately, it does only work on Slaves of Darkness now, so you can't do it on like a big unit of, say, uh, you know, um, Zangors or anything like that. But you can make him pretty tough. Uh, he's really there because yeah. he's got a 4-plus save, and he's a good caddy for the immune to battle shock, um, which is why I really am taking him there. You could sub in any of the other 110-point casters if you wanted to. I kind of wanted to put him here. Um, next up, you have a Great Bray Shaman of Zinch. His biggest ability is he's going to make all the Zangor units that are wholly within nine inches of them. He's going to give them plus three inches of movement. So it's going to apply to your nice. Zangor Shaman, your Great Bray Shaman, your Zangors, your Ungors, and your Zangor Enlightened on disc. So basically everything that's not the Sorcerer Lord or Bellicor. Uh, so you're, you've got a really fast army. He has an interesting spell that can pull models around, uh, but more often than not, I'm probably casting Mystic Shield or Arcane Bolt out of him uh, than I am anything else. Uh, the Zangor Shaman is primarily a buffing piece, but has the ability to toss out an additional spell. Um, oh, talking about spells, the other reason I went with Chaos Sorcerer Lord is, like Dayton was talking about his in his list, Arcane Suggestion is just a really powerful spell. 
I wanted to have access to it. Um, the debuff is fantastic. And so that gave me that option. Uh, and last but not least, we have Bellicor, who is probably one of my favorite units in the game in Chaos. Uh, I'm going to pull up his War Scroll and just kind of talk through him for a brief moment. One of the oldest fail cast models oh, still exist. God, he's an old model. He's still cool, though. Um, so he's yeah, he's a little move. small, but other than yeah. that, he's pretty good. 12-inch move, 8 wounds, 4 plus save. Uh, so decent base stat line. He's pretty good in combat with 6 attacks, 3s, threes, 3s, threes, Ren 1 damage, 2. Not going to change the world, but he can definitely beat up a unit on his own. Uh, he's great because he has shadow form, so you get to ignore all modifiers when making save rolls. So he has a 4 plus fix save. Uh, and then he has a great spell in Feeble Foe. Uh, you pick an enemy unit and subtract one from wound rolls from that unit. So great way to you know, stymie your opponent's ability to get damage out and keep your Zangors alive. And then here's the thing about Bellicor that makes him absolutely a monster and my favorite model. He's got an ability called the Dark Master. So once setup's complete, but before the first battle round begins, you pick one enemy unit uh, on the battlefield. You note it down. Your opponent doesn't know which one it is. Uh, and then at the start of an enemy hero phase, any enemy hero phase you pick once per battle, you reveal the unit you picked. And until your next hero phase, your opponent has to roll a dice each time the unit wants to cast a spell, move, charge, or attack with any weapons it's armed with. And on a one to four, they can't do so. So there's only a 33% chance that that unit's going to do anything it wants to do that phase. And they have to roll for every separate action. Uh, this is amazing uh, when you, especially like, Say you play like a Nagash, like an eight spell Nagash. He has to roll every time he casts a spell. He has to roll every time he wants to cast one of his eight spells for that turn. But this is also Amazing. shutdown movement. Like, like I said, did I not say that Price comes up with the most bullshitty thing that you can come up with and lays it out there? <laughs> this so. is exactly what I was talking about. So I, I really like Bellicor in this list. Um, he's going to help you take a lot more board control. <laughs> Uh, on the table, which is a big reason that he's there. He's just a an overall self-sustaining package. Um, so I've got a big unit of Zangors. Zangors are just effective. Dayton was talking about them a little bit. Uh, two wounds each, very good in combat, lots and lots of attacks. Uh, you're yeah. going to max out, of course, your, um, your Savage Great Blades, which are primary damage dealers. But they also have an interesting little ability where their banner, uh, at the start of your hero phase, you pick an enemy unit within 18 inches, and then you roll a dice for every wizard within 18 inches of the unit of Zangors. And for each four plus, you do a mortal wound to that unit. And it's mm. wizards, period. It's not enemy, just friendly or enemy wizards. And so you've got kind of a weird little mortal wound cannon that's going to pop one or two mortal wounds a turn off on a unit, depending on how many wizards you have around it. And so I'm getting some mortal wound output out of them. Great combat, great sticking power. I took the smaller unit of Zangors because they're battle line, and it's another chance to proc that banner. So if I've got multiple wizards near both both units, I can put out a f um, you know middling amount of mortal wounds that's basically free. Um, and then I have two units of ten Ungors of Zinch, and what they're really here for is a trick with Zangor Enlightened on disc. Zangor Enlightened on disc have a special rule where if an enemy unit has uh, within three inches of them is already attacked, they get to reroll all failed to hit and all failed to wound, which is a huge combat bonus increase. But mm. it's a fairly fragile unit, so very often your opponent's just going to try and knock them out before he can. So what you do is you keep the Ungors always in front of your Zangor Enlightened until you get into position. And then what happens is your opponent has to kill through the Ungors. 
is now within three inches of your Zangor Enlightened who are going to pile in. And I can tell you this, Zangor Enlightened with that buff up, tear through units. Their combat profile is absolutely potent. Uh, they have a ton of attacks. Um, and, you know, I've... Two I've damage each. Two damage apiece. Um, they also have uh, the discs that they're on uh, with teeth and horns, which is D3 attacks, fours and threes, Ren minus one damage D3 as well. Uh, mm -hmm. it's just a, it's a very potent combat unit. Um, and then uh, that's the, the bulk of the army there. Uh, it's got, it's a very fast army. It will get to you quickly. It uh, gets to pick combats. It's got a couple of screens. It's got a really nasty tool in Bellicor. Um, you know, it, I think that this army definitely still has some weaknesses out there, right? Like I can think of a couple of lists, like Iron Jaws would give it uh, or a good big wall list. Could be really tough for this army to deal with. But Our I think slayers. it's a lot of fun, uh, and it's something that you don't see very often. It's running more of the beast side of things, uh, tossing in Bellicor for some added fun. Uh, and you, I will tell you this, when you use Bellicor for the first time, your opponent will be mad. Uh, and if you're like me, <laughs> that is one of the great joys in the world, is, is just getting to enjoy that first experience where your opponent goes, it does what now? Do what? Yeah, you will get asked to see the War Scroll, uh, guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, that's always a blast the first time you get to to pop that one out on somebody. So, yeah, um, no, this guy's an ultimate troll. That's annoying. That's a six attacks, threes and threes, minus one and two damage each. So he's yeah, no slouch. He, yeah, he's not a slouch in a, in a fight. But you've, you've got a lot of options, and really, probably on turn two with this list, you're going to pop out uh, a Lord of Change. Just as an added, you know, yeah. bonus guy to to stomp around, have some Best spells. Balls. You know, it's, it's not a That's bad. That's a free three hundred and eighty so. points. Yep, I'm not going to complain about it. So no. Um, but yeah, that's that's my Disciples of Zinch list. I think it's a fun one, uh, especially if you are interested in going with lots of blue feathered beasts that run around and tear down the great works of civilization. Yeah, I got 30 Zangoras in my display shelf. And yeah, that, those models, again, same with the Acolytes. They're Dude. not fun to paint. They're, they're gorgeous, <laughs> but God, they're a lot to paint, especially with the way that they're shaped. Oh. No, that's, that's sweet. That's a, that's a direction for sure. <laughs> yeah, just a, a little strategic footnote on this, this host, the summoning of the... The Lord of Change, he doesn't get a uh, lore spell. That is correct, yep, because he was not so, as a part of your list. That's right. So you start to diminish in value pretty quick after the first one because yep. you can't change, you can't cast his War Scroll spell more than once. Yep. And what I was thinking um, about doing, too, uh, just to account for that, is I could drop a unit of Ungors in this list to take an added uh, Endless spell just to give myself one more thing for him to to pop around and, and cast spells with. There's some flexibility That's in this true. list and how you want to do it, but this is what I came up with and what I think would be fun to play. Yeah, it's good. So, Price, let me ask you a serious question here. Uh, if you were to go to a furry party, what would your animal type be, and then what color would it be? Oh, bro, I, I there's no possible way for me to answer this because I uh, loathe furries. I apologize if you're a furry listener. I'm sure you're probably a really quality human being, but, I, but fuck you. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I man, I I'd sooner f fucking drink bleach than go to a furry party, bro. 
<laughs> so you're a fox and you choose red. That's cool. No, that's good. Uh, good sure, one. if that's the route we want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right. So that's I guess that's going to wrap up Zeech. Sorry, Jeff. That's it. Man. We're going to no, talk no about your no no more. Until tournament season starts, and then we're going to talk about it. Yeah, that's yep. okay. I love looking at different uh, armies anyway, so that's okay. Yeah. All right. So we're going to kind of give a little highlight into what's going on in the next episode. We still want to kind of break things up. We just don't want to go too much into uh, lists. Yeah, uh, keep it fresh. For factions. So we were talking about going into what is the worst unit that you can think of, and how can you make it work? In an army. Yeah. I think, too, maybe not even necessarily, I, I don't know how we're going to structure it. We'll talk a little bit more about it. Doesn't even necessarily have to be the worst unit. So much as it's a unit that you would love to use, but every time you look at it in your army book, you just go, eh? I don't, I don't see how this works. Um, <laughs> so. And I think this would be a great episode to bring in a guest host as well. So we really kind of see how he treads. Keeps his head above water. So uh, hopefully we got a guest host coming in, a little bit of cross-platforming between podcasts, promote as well. And as you heard before with the podcast or the advertisement from uh, Hammerhead Games, we are always open to anyone that wants to give out an advert. We're not asking for anything at all. The product we got from Tony from Hammerhead Games was paid in full. We're not getting any kickbacks from this. We just really want to promote the hobby and anyone that's doing things, especially now. That was our... Consensus when we went it started this podcast. We don't want anything back from this. We just want to promote. And now more than ever, it's needed. So if you know anyone out there, store, any hobby thing related, uh, just tell them to give an MP3 advert sent to one of our hosts, Price, Jeff, or myself. It'll go on. We'll put it in the show. Get it out there. Do what we can. No and then you'll be associated with degenerates. <laughs> yeah, Yay. and then if you see us, it wouldn't be. Then you'll be like, I need to have, have a beer. Well, if you want to buy a beer, we're good with that. We like that. That's also true. Uh, to give the back out to Tony with Hammerhead Games too. He did a uh, what was that promotion for a T-shirt to help his store as well? As oh yes, yes, there yep. was a yep. There's yep, a, it's a it's a hammerhead shark riding a turtle. Yeah, <laughs> to go back to the 40k <laughs> proxy with the yeah. the riders. What the hell were they? The uh, guard riders? Uh rough riders. Yeah. So there was a guy that came to the tournament and he had them riding turtles, like there were these plastic minis. <laughs> oh <my laughs> and he God. ran a tournament with them. So that's the poke fun. Sweet. It's a great T-shirt. And it's it's sponsored a great man who's trying to do what he can for everyone. So uh, go out and buy that t-shirt for sure. But I think we ran a little bit long as we figured we would because we were talking about Zang, uh, Zeech. Yeah, that's my fault. I'm so damn excited. (laughs) But uh, thanks for hanging out to the very end of this. Uh, This is Dayton signing off. Take care, guys. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, Have a good evening. Bye.